the good news about preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, next week's sermon is already prepared. The bad news, you've got to preach that. Twice. That was last week too, right? But as I get older in wisdom, I knew it would need at least two weeks to kind of just sit and figure out what Jesus is saying and not saying. Because in the church and in our society, Jesus never said a lot of things that we think he said, right? You ever get that? Especially in sometimes theological circles or political circles, I kind of just go, Jesus never said that, so let's go talk about the giants because they're real. And Jesus is real, but my point is, what he said is not real most of the time because people get all spun. But we had a men's breakfast yesterday. It was awesome, and I had a little devotional. The Sermon on the Mount can be kind of bookended by two things. Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14, Dave Bray hit it. You are salt, you are light. Go be, Jesus says. And then... Matthew 7, 12, 13-ish, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The whole law and the prophets hang on this. Those are the bookends of the Sermon on the Mount, this great sermon that this God-man taught. Those are the hinge pieces. That's the beginning, the intro, and kind of the conclusion. And then how do I do that? How do I be salt? How do I be light? How do I treat others the way I want to be treated? Matthew 5. Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And right now we're dealing with this temptation of lust. You don't want to be lusted after, trust me. You don't. So Matthew 7, treat others as you wish to be treated. Jesus was incredibly simple. We, preachers and Christians, often make him far more complicated than he actually is, right? Let me pray because I've already talked too much. You guys are like, you should pray. because But let's pray and we'll jump in. Let's jump in. Father, help me and help us. Father, don't bring a spirit or a word of condemnation to anybody, but show us the reality of this temptation of the lustfulness of all of our hearts. And then at the end, wrap it up with a big Jesus gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. Help your word speak. Jesus, come. Invade our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, quickly, we looked at the, you have heard it was said, Matthew 5, 27. If you commit adultery, you are in trouble. And Jesus, following up on Matthew 20 and 21, is fulfilling the law and the prophets and says what? I am raising the standard in this new kingdom. And I'm going to tell you what, Matthew 5, 28 I say that anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. So the whole thing we're getting at is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets is not about the exterior. It's about where? Heart. All of our hearts. The inward working of our beings, our heart and souls, not the actual pericardium and cardiac muscle, medical people, but who you are is what God is concerned about. And catching up real quick, since it's a two-part sermon series in the middle of a Sermon on the Mount sermon series, we identified, as Jesus did, this is what lust is. Lust is when we misuse people, we do not respect the human dignity or image of God that every person's been created with, 
and we use them most of the time to achieve sex, money, and power. That's biblical lust. That's the way our world works. Go to Union Square. Is it Union Square in San Francisco? And just go see if I'm wrong. <laughs> go walk every shop and go see if I'm wrong. John alluded to that in his epistle, 1 John, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the flesh. Everything swirls on this craving that all of us had, and I want us to be aware there are billion-dollar companies who know this, and that's how they make their what? Income. Just be aware. No soapboxes against companies here. But the point Jesus makes is people are sacred Every person, black, white, gay, straight, Christian, Muslim, in God's economy, people are sacred. He is the one that has breathed life into them. And Jesus wants us to see this, because if we get a view of Jesus, how he sees people, oh, the gospel explodes in our hearts. One of the reasons Jesus here uses the strongest language in the New Testament that he used in dealing with lust is he wants to warn us of the consequences. Now, I have a little caveat. Church, in a group of this size, I, I could take a group of 10 people, but in a group of this size, some of you have been objectified, have been lusted after, and have been made nothing for other people's gain. Some of you, don't raise your hand, just know it in your heart. I know that too. And what I'm here to tell you is, remember the words of Jesus as he started this sermon, Matthew 5, chapter 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Rightness in the world. If you've been objectified, I'm here to tell you that wasn't right. But if your heart yearns for that, you are blessed in God's kingdom because of Christ. Blessed are the merciful. Oh, church, if you've been mistreated, do not lose your gift of mercy. Don't do it. Give mercy even if you've been objectified, even if you've been diminished. Give mercy. Keep giving mercy. Christ himself was objectified over and over and over and over again. And what was his message? They have no idea what they're doing. They don't know. Mercy, mercy. And what's the rest of the encouragement to those of us who have felt it growing up in a Whacked society, I'll say it that way, a crazy culture. Especially some of you ladies, all of you ladies, not some of you. It's harder for you guys, gals, I should say it that way. I have three daughters. I'm far more in tune to my feminine side than I was 15 years ago. But hear this, Jesus says again, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart in the New Covenant, they don't see God the way Moses did. Remember the backhand theology? They see the full face of Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. I love you. I'm for you. When we long to see the pure things, right? And lastly, Jesus says in these Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters, family members of God. 
There's also a section I didn't write down, blessed when you're not treated well because of the name of Christ. Bless you. I mentioned strong language. Matthew 5, 29 and 30, this is the strongest it gets from Jesus. He is doing something, so hear him, church. Matthew 5, 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. I used to teach this passage at youth group 15 years ago, probably poorly, so forgive me, Lord. Thank goodness Facebook wasn't around then when I was in charge of kids. It would have been a mess. Anyways, okay. But the point of all this is this is not, and Jesus is not primarily dealing with sexual immorality. It's there, but Jesus is dealing with the cravings of lust in all of our hearts for many reasons. And usually those cravings are exposed when we look at our motives. It's usually seeking sex, power, and money. Then he goes on to say in verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Loco, crazy, Jesus is off his rocker, right? What is he doing? There was some monks in the, the last millennia who took some of this literally. Some religions still do. For penance or for pain for sin, they would harm their bodies. Jesus is not saying that. This is a big word. Everyone say sanctification. Can you say it? One, two, three. Sanctification. That simply means becoming more like Christ as you live. Becoming more like Jesus. Working out your salvation, Paul would say. Jesus is not advocating sanctification by amputation. There's your, there's your little click, okay? He is not advocating become more holy by cutting off parts. He's not saying that. What is he doing, pastor? He is using a preacher's technique of the day. He is using Jewish hyperbole. This was common. He was being so over the top that he wanted to sear in your brains about the real matter, lust and hell. We'll talk about what this word hell means in a minute. I went on a trip a few years ago with a bunch of people to Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, after Hurricane Katrina. And uh, we showed up at one place, and nothing had been touched in two years. And we had 20 people, and we had four days to clean the whole house and the whole yard. If I used California, me, hyperbole, I would say, all right, team, go break your backs. Now, would I really expect Kevin Hellenius to be in traction at Bay St. Louis Community Hospital later that day? No, that would be bad, right? But what I was telling Kevin and others was, work so hard and don't stop working until the sun goes down. Jesus is doing the same thing. He is not asking anyone to gouge their out. He's not going to go to the optometrist. He's not going there. Or I guess the ER at that point, right? And he's not going to Sequoia with a tourniquet to stop a massive bleed. What he's doing is making a point about lust and its consequences. That's what he's doing. He wants it to sear in his hearers' minds and our minds when we read it. Oh, he's not playing around. He, he never played around, but he's using strong language here to remind us. He is exaggerating 
but the truth remains. Please don't take this literally and say, pastor made me do it. We'll have to have another meeting with probably the authorities at that point, right? Jesus is not expecting me or you to rip out your eye or cut off your hand. He is not endorsing self-mutilation, but he is talking about diminishment, if that's a word. Diminishing. Diminishing, sorry. Holy moly. When we lust after things and people, we diminish them. If Dave Bray has an awesome car, you do, by the way, but if you have a really awesome car, like that Tesla, I saw some, like that new Tesla coming out, you ordered it, right? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And I have cravings in my heart to do things to Dave where I can manipulate and connive and do things only to get close to him so I can be in his car and then cart or whatever we do, silly analogy, what I'm doing to Dave and who he is, I'm diminishing him. If I go on a website I shouldn't go on and look at the opposite sex in a way I shouldn't, I'm diminishing them. I am. I am objectifying them. I am saying their life has no dignity and no value. I'm supreme. My wants and desires are above, and I will diminish them to get what I want. So Jesus, in his brilliance, uses Jewish hyperbole to command us that when lust and cravings come, don't cut off your arm or rip out your eye, but what? Diminish yourself and hold the other person in a higher state. Paul would later come around and say, Treat others, what, better than yourself. Forgive each other. Be kind. Paul, writing about Jesus in Philippians 2, said what? Jesus was exalted and given the name above every name because he humbled himself. In many ways, theologically, he set things aside or diminished himself to go die for you and me. And then Jesus says, follow in my example. You can't die for anyone to save them. You can diminish yourself. This is three weeks ago now, too. And that brings a less hostile atmosphere when we're angry, right? That brings a more godly atmosphere when the cravings of lust are boiling over. Lust is funny, because sometimes you don't even know why you're lusting, if you're honest. You just want it, whatever it is. And Jesus says, take action, but diminish yourself. Don't diminish them. But then there's a warning. Did you hear the warning? This word hell, Gehenna, literally means Valley of Hinnom. There was a valley on the south side of Jerusalem that was the modern day BFI. They didn't have, I never pronounce it, recology, is that how we pronounce it? I'm gonna get like looked up now, I pronounce it wrong by somebody, you know what I mean? They didn't have recycling. They had a very large city. They had many festivals yearly. Did Jerusalem have millions of people, not in total, but through and in and out of the city, produced a lot of what? Garbage. And they needed a place to throw their garbage. You know what they did back in the day with garbage of all types? Anybody have a guess? They had huge bonfires, 24-7, 365, every decade, every century. It's pretty hot in the Middle East year-round. There wasn't much refrigeration. 
You can only imagine the smell, right? So Jesus says, if we pursue lust as a almost occupation, as a mission, which much of the world does, and we don't diminish self, but we diminish others, and we objectify them, and I don't care who I have to step on to get what I want, that leads to destruction. And hear me, church, Jesus does talk about the afterlife, about eternal life and hell. This is not the primary focus here in context. This is about your life here and now. My life here and now. Remember the kingdom language over and over. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we have to take that into context in the Sermon on the Mount. And everything we hear, we have to go, oh, Jesus wants me to take action now and live now that way. Because I'll tell you a theological trick. Should I? I don't want to cause you to lust, though. That's, that can be a lust, too, right? A theological t- trick is to get so over here with certain doctrines about God's mercy and grace, and it's true, all of it's true, that's the funny part, is we cannot really listen to Jesus' teaching because I'm forgiven. You cannot lose your salvation, but don't be lazy with it. That's all pastor's saying, amen? <laughs> Hear what the Lord has to say. God's mercy and grace, Christ holds us eternally, but then he says, in my kingdom, we take action. And when the temptation of lust and even anger come, and sometimes they're righteous temptations with anger, he says, diminish. Self. We used to say it back in the 80s, check yourself, maybe 90s. Jesus says, check your heart. What's going on? So there is a diminishing here. Just don't diminish others. We are to diminish ourselves and not puff out chest. We are to take on an apostle John type mentality of what? John 3.30. I'll paraphrase. 28, 29, and 30. There he is. There's the bridegroom walking down the aisle right now. There he is. Does everybody see him? There's Jesus. He's walking forward. My heart is happy. I am secure. I am about him. I must decrease and he will increase. There's the gospel. Jesus modeled it. God exalted him and then he calls us to entertain and enjoy and follow him in that. So diminishing self. Church, I love you, so I'll say it this way. If you diminish others and if you prop self up, you are not working with Jesus Christ. You are working with the adversary. That's his game. Look at them. Nobody's watching. It's all good. Nobody's going to find out. Take it. Do it. Have fun with it. You deserve it. You do deserve a lot. You deserve the love of Christ with pure hearts. You deserve the grace of Christ with pure eyes. We deserve the mission of Christ with clear consciousness. Amen? But when we diminish others for any reason, again, gay, straight, black, white, Protestant, Catholic, Republican, Democrat, we are not teaming with Jesus at that point. And that's hard language, right? That's what he's getting at. 
And here's the wrap-up. I promise there's going to be a positive wrap-up of God's grace and love. That's my ending as we take it to his table and celebrate why we can be free because of the death of Christ. But back to this word Gehenna, this garbage dump. Jesus is simply saying, if you continue to diminish others, you will reap, you know it, what you what. God set up a universal principle. If you bestow mercy and grace, more times than not, what's coming your way? Mercy and grace. If you bestow objectifying and taking what is not yours and diminishing the, hu- the image of God in people, at some point, that check needs to be paid. And Jesus is referring to now. I see, I see your faces. You're like, whoa, that's great. I hope you see this as grace and good news. I hope you see this as Jesus offering the abundant life. You know there's a great freedom when you diminish yourself and don't diminish others. Anybody ever felt that? When you can walk into work or walk into school or walk into a family gathering and saying, say to your, in your heart truly, I'm here to serve others and love others and I'm good if I'm the servant. You are free to be who you are in Christ. It's true. St. Augustine says, humility strangely exalts the soul. And he's right. There's a freedom in seeing what our hearts are about. We do have lustful cravings, folks. There's a freedom in hearing the gospel, seeing the gospel of grace given. Christ died, and one of the benefactors of that is to free our hearts of this lustful cravings. They're still going to happen because Jesus said it, but when they come, if we take on a posture of humility, if we diminish self, we are free to go serve our king. Otherwise, you know what we do? We get, I got agitated with my wife this morning. I'll, she walked in and she said something to me and I just, boom! I did not take hold of my freedom in Christ to say, hun, it's all good, I'll take care of it. I went with Dave. How many of you are married? It's never good to go with Dave in the marriage. That's all I'm saying, you know what I mean? But the point is, I didn't take advantage of my God-given freedom in Christ to diminish self and say, okay, I diminished her. I'm sorry. I don't say that. That's just who I am. You'll hear it sometimes. It's on my sleeve. If we objectify people for years and decades, in this life, we can debate about the rest because that passage doesn't fully explain it. There's others do. At some point, we're going to end up in the garbage dump of relationships. We're going to end up in the garbage dump of, not society per se, but our own circles, right? And I know the Holy Spirit speaking because I see it in your eyes. Go with him. Do the work he wants you to do this week and see that we can be freed from these lustful cravings by diminishing self. I'm helping out some guys and one of the only counsel I have is when you have those cravings, go do something for somebody. I don't even care if it's like go buy someone a coffee and just say have a nice day. Something happens and it's not about buying off God and guilt and all this stuff. It's about functioning the way you're created to function, free and clean. So if it was a uh message before communion, I want to offer this. The gospel is this. 
Christ came to show God as Savior. Christ came to show God as Savior and offer all who would receive forgiveness and love and freedom. I don't do this much. I'm going to be up here during communion. If you want to come talk about Jesus, if you think I'm speaking a different language, but something's happening and you need to talk, come see me. Pastor Jeff's going to come up in a moment. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. The reason we can take the Lord's Supper together is because Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago and lived the perfect life, fulfilled all that was to be fulfilled, went to a cross, died for our sins, and upon dying didn't say, God, get them, said, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Offer mercy and mercy. And that mercy is available to all, all who would believe, the Bible says. If you're a believer, come take communion and receive. If you need to come talk about Jesus, come see one of us and we'll talk. We'll pray. We'll wrestle through these things because I know that sermon is like, oh. But see it for what it is, truth and grace. I'm going to pray and Pastor Jeff's going to come up and we'll uh, partake in the Lord's Supper. Music team, come on up when you're ready. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for a passage that is worthy of probably two years. And Father, thank you for Jesus' love and grace to tell us, see people for who they are, don't objectify them. When emotions and anger and lustful intent comes, diminish self, don't diminish others. Father, thank you for the strong warning, but thank you for the grace and the ability to say no to temptation through Jesus. Father, work in your body, work in your church, work within your people. In Jesus' name, amen.